Welcome to Medicus the Podcast, the show where we shine a light on the people behind the science shaping our future. And in this episode, we're exploring the connection between science and art and how the two can unlock something new. In the history of science, Leonardo da Vinci stands tall when you're searching for someone who mastered both art and science. But there are many more scientists, past and present, who draw on the two seemingly unrelated disciplines to help them create something new or express their understanding of the world around us. Albert Einstein, for example, painted. Biochemist Linda Long translates protein structures into music. Rock band Queen's guitarist Brian May is a published astrophysicist, while astrophysicist Fiorella Terenzi is best known for converting recordings of radio waves from distant galaxies into music. So in this episode, I'm talking to three scientists who are at very different stages of their scientific and artistic careers about what art brings to their lives, which found them first, and how the two interplay for them, and whether they are just two sides of the same coin. But before we delve in, let's meet them. So my name is uh, Liu Nan. I'm a associate professor at Center for Quantitative Medicine and the Health Service and System Research at Duke U.S. Medical School. So my research aligns in uh, healthcare with uh, AI applications, where that I use uh, advanced AI and statistical technologies to address uh, problems in healthcare, such as uh, predictive modeling, risk assessment, optimization, and the patient acuity uh, stratification. Hi, I'm Madeline. I came from Wang Ling Fast Lab. Yeah, I'm a research assistant there, uh, helping with the pancervicovirus vaccine. And our third guest, Tom Kaufman. I'm Tom Kaufman. I'm the dean at Duke NUS Medical School in Singapore. Uh, I'm a professor in the Cardiovascular Metabolic Disorders program here. And I'm a nephrologist by training and uh, practiced nephrology for a long time and also uh, I'm a researcher, clinician researcher. That's where I've worked on high blood pressure and diabetic kidney disease are my two main areas of focus. And all three of them are working on areas of research that will have a huge impact on our lives. But science wasn't necessarily the first love for everyone. Music definitely came first. Music definitely came first. I got my first guitar when I was about 11. I'm not sure exactly what the fascination with the instrument was. And uh, took lessons for a while, which I didn't like, and then kind of used that to uh, teach myself the kind of, to play the kind of music that I liked. Rock and roll, Beatles, Jimi Hendrix was a particular favorite of mine, obviously incredible guitar player. And I played in bands, you know, throughout high school, when I was in college, uh, played in this acoustic band that played around, you know, fraternity parties and things like that. And, uh, and then later on, when I was a resident in medical training, I started playing with a band uh, of fellow physicians, but also hospital staff, and then branched out to people from different fields. And, when I, and that, I did that probably for 15 plus years. With his band, Tom mainly played funk and rhythm and blues, performing under the rather unexpected band name Blast Crisis, which in medicine refers to an acute stage of leukemia, not something most of us would think of to name a band. The people in medicine who do music tend to be a little bit more, they're kind of one standard deviation maybe removed <laughs> away. And I, I count myself in that group. 
you know, away from the norm, I think, because that was another, I mean, another great thing for me about being in the band, that I had a whole community of people in the music life, both people who were playing and, you know, people who were, who would run, were running uh, uh, establishments with it, where they booked music and, and, and people in other bands. So, so I mean, it was a whole community of people that was way different than, than the people that I interacted with in the hospital or in the school or in the lab. So uh, it, did, it gave me, a, I think, a healthy perspective of the world. To find the same passion for science took Tom a bit longer. Although the subjects had come easy to him at school, it took a detour to business school to eventually set him on a path to medicine and science. Now Nan, on the other hand, was immersed in the world of both science and art from a young age as he grew up on a sprawling university campus in China. And he tells us what that experience was like. So I was immersed even in an environment that they were all full of scientists and professors and students. So I grew up with the dream of being a scientist. And my father is an artist. So he taught us, us in university. So I grew up again at my home I see paintings every day, I have I've seen, read a lot of art books at home. So um, I thought other than being a scientist, I also want to be an artist. There has been uh, a lot of uh, debates by myself uh, to decide whether I want to be an artist or to be a scientist. And he's even toying with the idea of maybe still one day, when the time is right, becoming a full-time artist. I always keep uh, my dream as being an artist. So that's why I kept uh, practicing art. I always want to get some inspirations. But probably after retirement, I want to become an artist full-time. And Madeline, our youngest guest on this episode, is probably leaning even more towards a musical career, at least at this point in time. When I was younger, I wanted to be a doctor. But I think that, that changed. Uh, midway, I wanted to help people. Uh, now I think I just want to explore the world to get more experiences uh, by, by having that collaboration with, with all the different musicians in the world. She plays percussion instruments, drums and the sorts, a passion she's developed in secondary school. That was also when she became particularly fascinated by a less well-known instrument called the asalato, traditionally made from two dried, hollowed-out gourds that are filled with seeds or pebbles to create sounds, not unlike maracas. But the two gourds are attached with a piece of string and a player holds one gourd in their hand and swings the other over the back of their hand for the two to knock together and create a sound. Basically just by shaking, I create that momentum, uh, like a pendulum effect. And then I just release and just let it go. So, like this time I'm gonna add a stop by catching, so. And then when I put them together, It's so simple, right? But when you play with two hands, it messes up your mind. And while the instrument originated in West Africa, a player can create rhythms that are inspired by music from around the world. And Madeline gets a lot of inspiration from Taiwanese and Japanese pop music. But she also finds inspiration in the sounds and hums and beeps she hears in the laboratory. But the Problem will be sometimes I have my gloves or I'm busy, right? So I can't record down that particular rhythm in my head. So sometimes I get lost uh, in that. <laughs> so when I try to replicate it, 
mm, maybe it is not as exact, but it is still an inspiration, right? So I draw from that and then I create something new. For Tom, on the other hand, the two are more complementary. Music is always there as a companion. I do some of my best scientific writing when I'm listening to music, <laughs> and that maybe helps the creative process in some ways, or uh, you know, gets me into a creative space. And his go-to playing list when he's writing? It's typically more kind of ambient, or you know, I listen to a lot of jazz, or, or uh, music that's not doesn't require engagement. And that's really where music and science work the closest together for him. Because when he plays either of his two guitars... I just go into a different space where it's really about music and, and whatever it is that place they get to, you know, um, to think about how whatever notes fit together and sounds. And, and despite his usually packed days, he still finds time to play almost every day. I'll pick up one of the guitars at least once a day and bang around on it a little bit. And, then just, it just depends a little bit on time. Like during COVID, I had a lot of time to play guitar and, and, and that was really uh, sustaining. Because I was here, my, I could see my family. It was, and it's, it's amazing. I mean, I, I'm old, so this seems incredible to me. But you can go online and, and there's somebody who's, who will teach you how to play whatever song you want to play, right? So, so I, had a, I really had a lot of fun. But he has to be careful about when he plays. I, I pick up the guitar before bedtime and really get into a, I, I can't sleep. So I don't, so I don't do it. Right? I, I do it other times a day. But, uh, but now I feel good, energized, and, and kind of clears the mind. And that clearing of the mind is something that none also turns to painting for. I feel uh, very joyful when I practicing art. And also that's his uh, excuse from uh, skipping from uh, doing research. Whereas uh, you're probably uh, exhausted with uh, finding new ideas in your research. So I always uh, try to escape from that scenario and that situation by doing some painting. So that give me some peaceful mind so that I can refocus on my research after that. So when he heads to conferences around the world, he always makes time to escape to the local museum to find new inspiration. And when he needs to get away from work back at home in Singapore, he heads to locations like the harbour, the botanical gardens and the Singapore River to either take pictures to paint at home or paint right there and then. And while painting can be solitary, he's an active member of the Singapore Watercolour Society and the responsibilities he has there are quite similar to those of a scientist leading his own team. You have to uh, be an active uh, painter and uh, sometimes involved in activities within the society uh, not only about the uh, drawing the exhibitions, but also to teaching and to nurturing the young generations, those talents in Singapore, and by doing some demo demonstrations and to deliver, you know, whatever that we learned and the lessons that we learned to the younger generations. And as he's progressed in his scientific and artistic careers, the similarities have become even more obvious to him. The longer I stay as a scientist and the longer I practice as an artist, I found out there were a lot of uh, common things. For example, being an artist and, or being a scientist, you have to develop a very solid and good foundation in terms of your skills. Right? So being an artist doesn't mean that you can you know, draw randomly. So you, you require a lot of training and practice so for one painting, you'll probably practice 100, 200 times. That is so very similar to 
being a scientist, like you're doing experiments, you spend uh, hundreds of hours, uh, many, many weekends for doing just one thing. You probably fail, but you have to get up from where that you failed. And then you improve your skills and to try to think out of the box, get some inspirations during the break and then go back to your work. But as an artist who actively works on AI programming during his day job, I had to ask him, does he feel that art is being threatened by generative AIs? As an artist, uh, so I'm pretty uh, impressive by the performance of the generative AI that generate the, the artworks, which um, you, you can tell the, the engine that's giving me the converted photo into, into a Van Gogh style then essentially you get a Van Gogh style painting, which is, uh, looks very nice and very real. Uh, but the one thing I found out that uh, is, uh, uh, it all depends on the query and the prompt that you submit to the AI engine. So that will, uh, it depends on your inquiry and generate the corresponding artworks. Interesting thing is that AI can think out of the box because they didn't have uh, regular or human-like uh, education. And that ability to understand not only the rules, but to know when the context requires those rules to be bent or even abandoned to create something new is not something that AIs can do, well, at least just yet. It requires a tireless experimentation, and for Madeline, that is at the heart of her music too. In science, uh, we do a lot of trial and error and then just diving into it to test if this is possible or not. So similarly, I use the same um, training to also apply to this uh, instrument or even to my playing because there are so many different music genres. Each genre requests or uh, has a certain groove. And that appreciation for the different grooves or contexts really fascinates her but it initially also made her fearful. With each, with each experiment, you have um, certain risk or certain uh, sacrifices or even just input, right? But you are, maybe for me, I don't know when the fear developed, but I, I will be thinking what would the result be and will I be wasting any resources? Through this um, awareness of that fear, I think I start to grow courage and then just push through if I feel, yeah, this is something I want to go for. So we've travelled from the rhythm and blues tunes of the US via the West African beats and rhythms of the Asalato to the scenes of Singapore in this exploration of how the arts and science intersect for our three guests on a very personal level. And regardless whether science and art are two sides of the same coin, having an artistic outlet, they agreed, is a good thing colleagues and young colleagues and people thinking about going into medicine or research. I think having that some sort of artistic sensibility, whether it's, you know, whatever it is, but, but that's, that's outside of science, I think is really useful and, and I think uh, can feed back in a positive way and improve the way you do your science. And that's it for this episode. If you've enjoyed this show, let us know in the comments. And you might also like our episode, creatively titled Episode 2, where we join a group of scientists on a field trip to study what viruses hide out in the animals around us. 
And if you're curious about the latest scientific breakthroughs and trends and how they shape our lives, check out our magazine Medicus at www.duke-nus.edu.sg forward slash Medicus. And of course, hit subscribe to never miss another episode. Thanks to our guests, Tom Kaufman, Liu Nan, and Madeleine Quek. The music in this episode comes from Madeleine Quek and Blast Crisis. This podcast was produced and hosted by Nicole Lim for Medicus, a Duke NUS publication.